Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Thank you. So why don't we stand? We're going to say a prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that today you'll speak to us in your word as we open the pages of Scripture. Father, we thank you that your word does not return void, but it does accomplish what is sent forth to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you look great. Awesome. That's great. Well, today, this morning, I want to talk to you um, about defeating the drift. It's the title of my message, Defeating the Drift. And uh, I think it's important that we dig into this because we've all, we've all asked the question uh, in difficult or challenging times, why me? Has anyone ever asked that question, why me? When it rains, it pours. Why, why are things going bad? Why are things shifting around us? And I want to talk about when things are trying to shift you, how you can, you can defeat the drift. And you can stay solid and you can stay strong in your faith and in your convictions and what you believe. Okay? And I think it's important that um, we understand, even from the pages of Scripture, that we are, you know, we're the children of Abraham, spiritually speaking. He's our, uh, the father of faith. And, and we, we're going to start this morning in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 14. And God is, is giving a promise to Abraham. He says, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Okay, and then it says, and Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. And uh, there's something about patience. Like, we live, in a, we live in a fast food culture. Like, we want it, and we wanted it five minutes ago, right? But God doesn't always work that way. There's, there is a, a process of preparation. God is always preparing us for the promise. God wants to bless us. He has promise. He has destiny for us. But there's a preparation process of character. He's preparing us to carry the promise. And Abraham had to wait, but eventually the promise came to pass. And in your life, your life is like a boat. You know, we, we look in the Scripture, and, uh, you know, Jesus was speaking with the disciples, and, and, and the ocean or the sea represented uh, the world system. And Jesus said to his disciples, you know what, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to go into the world, and you're going to cast the nets of the gospel, and you're going to, you're going to bring in all these fish. You're going to be fishers of men. All right, so the, the waters can represent the world system, and, and for the most part, the waters in North America have been relatively calm. How many you know we've been, you know, sitting in our boats and, you know, fishing and waving at each other, and things have been pretty, pretty calm, right? Uh, but for the last couple of years, there's been some turbulence. There's been uncertainty in this time, and, and your life might feel like it's being swept out of control. How many have ever felt that way? And, and what we need uh, when the waters get tough and when the winds blow and when things become turbulent and you're out on the waters, what do you need? You need an anchor. And I have, a, I have a, an anchor here. This is the anchor from my boat. And uh, I cast this out when I'm on the lake and it sticks in the ground and it keeps me from drifting. Okay? And... Um, an anchor is a device. Let me set that down for a second. The description of an anchor is a device normally made of metal used to secure a vessel to a bed of body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to the wind 
or the current. And as human beings, right, we all look for security. We're all looking for security. We're looking for something that we can hold on to that will hold our position. And I want to talk about how we defeat the drift. The way we defeat the drift is we make sure we put an anchor in. And this morning, we're going to look at what it is to to be anchored to. I'd like to tell you that in your life as a believer, you're never going to see turbulent times. You're not going to have uh, tough times, but then I'd be a liar. And you shouldn't have a preacher who's lying, right? Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have troubles, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And I believe that life is really, it's, it's, it's times of mountaintops and valleys, mountaintops and valleys. And, and, and we go through that. As a believer, instead of this, you know, if we're in the Lord, it becomes more like this. But we do still have those times of trials and testings, and, and there's times that aren't, aren't comfortable for us, but God wants to go through it with us. Be of good courage, for I'm with you through it. And that makes all the difference, right? And so in troubled times, we can learn to hold fast our position with ease. How? By using an anchor. Because you can let the anchor do the work. It's not good news. Let the anchor do the work. You know, um, I'm a newbie when it comes to boating. I had my first boat this summer that passed. And uh, so I said to the kids, we're going to go out and we're going to go tubing. And so I'd take the kids tubing. And then, you know, uh, I I would stop and say, we're going to do some deep water swimming. I like to go in the middle of the lake where it's really deep and there's no seaweed. And we put the anchor down and the kids jump out and they swim around the boat. So we get to the place. I say, kids, put your life jacket on. We're going deep swimming. So, oh, yeah, dad, this is awesome. And so I shut the boat off. And all the kids put their life jackets on and out into the lake, right? So I'm, I'm tidying up around the boat and everything. And about 30 seconds go by. I lift up my head, and they're like 40 feet away. Like, Man, they swim fast. And then I hear Jonas, Dad, you forgot to put the anchor in. Well, of course, I'm a newbie, son, right? So, uh, so what I do is I, I drive the boat around. I get nice and close, and then I throw the anchor in. So now I'm anchored, and the kids are not drifting away, or I'm not drifting away from the kids. So then uh, after we swim, uh, you know, Jonas is getting back in the boat. My kids are getting back in. I said, hey, uh, Jonas, do you want to r- drive? Now, he just, he's 14. He just got his license, and he's all excited. Yes, Dad, I want to drive. So he gets behind the steering wheel. You know, we load all the kids in, and off we go. Like, we're whipping across. I have two kids on the tube. Jonas is in heaven. He's, he's cruising the boat, right? And I'm looking back, and I see this. I thought it was a silver fish just skidding across the top of the water, just like this. I'm like, what is that? And suddenly, it dawned to me, it's the anchor. (laughs) And we're flying across the lake, and all these people on their boats, it was a busy Saturday, they're looking, they go, there's a newbie, right? He's pulling the anchor. So we have the boat, the anchor water skiing behind, and then we got the kids 20 feet behind. And in my mind, I'm thinking, if that anchor lets go, we'd be in trouble, right? So we had to pull over the boat, pull in the anchor. But I forgot to launch the anchor, and then my son forgot to pull it up. That's not a good thing, all right? And uh, sometimes in life, uh, in troubled times, we, we forget to drop the anchor. We get busy trying to figure out what's going on in our life, and we forget to drop the anchor, and we find ourselves drifting, and we lift our heads and say, man, I was over there, and now I'm here and emotionally and in my mind and in my will. I just, nothing's stable. How many have been in that place, Okay. And I want to look at what the anchor is uh, that God wants us to hold on to and where it leads us. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. Say strong and trustworthy. 
So the anchor that God has for us is strong and trustworthy. It's an anchor for your soul, for your mind, for your emotions, and for your will. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary, okay? And so there's an anchor that God wants us to to, to put in, uh, and it's called the anchor of hope. And I want to tell you that the anchor of hope, there's a rope tied to the anchor of hope. And if you'd only learn to grab a hold of the rope, you know, an anchor without a rope is no good right? Because it's just going to sink and it's dead weight. There has to be a rope attached to the anchor, okay? And, and, in, and, and the thing is, in today's culture, the word hope really speaks of wishful thinking. Well, I, I hope I'm having pizza for supper. I hope she really likes me. You know, I, 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 hope, uh, you know, I hope I get a raise this year. It's, it's wishful thinking, but according to the scripture, the word hope is actually different. It means to trust and wait expectantly. It's when you say I hope in God, it means I'm trusting in Him. I'm expecting Him to come through. Okay, and sometimes as people we put our hope in money, and so we take the anchor. Right, we got this anchor, and um, we take the anchor and we try to connect it, and we hook it into the economy or into our finances, and then we grab the end of the rope. Okay, because the rope is tied to hope. And, and, and all of a sudden, turbulent times come, and our economy shifts, and you lose your job. Something goes squirrely on you. And the next thing you know, you're drifting because the anchor is not trustworthy in your finances. The anchor, sometimes we, we put that anchor in our career, or we put that anchor into relationships. God wants us to have great relationships. Now, so many people are like, well, if this ever happened to this relationship, if it ever fell apart, I'd be emotionally, you know, distraught. My life would be over. No, listen, don't put your hope in relationships. Sometimes we put our hope in, in medical science. You know, the science always changes, right? Sometimes we put our hope in, in, in our accomplishments, in, in our religious beliefs, and we stick that anchor in there. But the problem is the things that are temporal always shift. We can't put our hope in all those things. And some of those things God has blessed us with, but we can't put our hope in those things. According to a commentator, Reverend Chuck Smith, the current philosophy of existentialism has had an enormous effect on our society. So the philosophy basically declares that there are no anchors in life. There are no absolute truths. And so we're learning today in, in the, the, you know, uh, the culture of the day, there are no absolute truths. There's nothing you can anchor yourself into, right? There are no absolute truths. How many have ever heard that? But I'm here to tell you the things that are temporal, they're going to pass away. There's no security. You can't anchor to the things that are temporal. Truth is what you perceive it to be, they say. And these concepts have set the whole world adrift. No one knows what to anchor into, and they're drifting because when you can't anchor yourself into the things of this world, you have no security unless you anchor your things into spiritual things. All right? The, wor- the whole world is drifting towards destruction. We desperately need an anchor for our souls in these changing times. We need to be anchored to the unchanging Christ. And I love what the psalmist said. He lifted me out of the miry clay and he set my foot upon a rock. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. Because Jesus is eternal and we can trust in him. If hope is an anchor, what is the hope that this 
the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Well, let's go back just a verse and read it in Hebrews chapter 16, or chapter um, 6, verse 16. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding, okay? Um, there's a difference between a promise and an oath. A promise is when you just give, you give a commitment. I'm going to do this verbally. I'm going to do this for you. But an oath is when you, ta- you make a promise, but then you put authority on it. And you use the name of a king or a god or a higher authority uh, because you want to seal that promise with authority because you want people to believe you. Have you ever heard people say, I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on my grandfather's grave. I swear to God. You hear this stuff. Why are people saying that? Because they really want you to believe they're telling the truth. Right? You know, I had a friend when I was about 19. I wasn't a pastor then, so so you know. And he called me up and he said, I'm in trouble. I said, what did you do now? I, I can't remember if he stole a car or what he did. He was in trouble. I said, well, that's your problem. He goes, well, actually, it's yours. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was filling out... I was filling out the police statement, and I told them uh, that I was at your house that night. We were watching a movie. Great. So they're going to call you. You need to go to court and stand on the witness stand and just be an alibi. Just say, hey, uh, you know, you, know uh, you were with this person. And I'm like, great, whatever, fine. So I go to court. I'm in the, I'm in the witness booth, and this scrawny clerk guy comes up with, with this black book. It's the Bible. And he puts it down. He says, put your hand on the Bible. I'm like... Okay. He says, I swear in the Bible that I tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And so I, I said what he said. And it hit me. I'm making an oath, and I'm swearing on the Bible. And I would have lied for him, but I'm not under oath going to swear. I'm going to tell the truth. And that, the question was asked, so was he with you that night? No, he wasn't. I have no idea where he was, but he wasn't with me. And I could see my friend across the room. He was trying to crawl under the bench. But there was no way that I was going to, under oath, swear. Because first of all, I wasn't, like, in a good place with the Lord, but my parents taught me to honor this book. And there's no way I'm going to swear to God Almighty and mess up my attorney, possibly. Who knows? I'm not doing that. Right? There's no way. Secondly, under oath, if the trial goes bad and he gets in trouble, guess who else gets in trouble? Me. So I was I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Sorry. Um, so, so let's look at this in verse. We're going to go back to verse 17. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never, ever change his mind. God was saying, listen, I'm not only promising. I'm, I'm swearing on my own name. I'm giving an oath on my own name. Because I want you to know that I will never, never leave you nor forsake you. I, I am going to forgive your sins. I'm going to wash them as far as the east is from the west. So whatever your thoughts tell you about how God cares about you, I want you to know his word says different. He swore with an oath that he was going to set Jesus up to be our high priest. Isn't that good news? And um, God swore by his own name. He would never change his mind. Isn't that good? Now, Hebrews 6.18 says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. 
These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who fled to him for refuge can have great as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Now, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, there were six towns within Judea and Israel called cities of refuge. Cities of refuge. And that was basically, they were, um, they were set up as towns in which perpetrators of accidental manslaughter could claim the right of a Salem. And so basically, if... Because, you know, in the Old Testament, it was an eye for an eye. If you murdered someone, then you were, you'd get the death penalty. So, for example, if I'm in the backyard with my son, talking about how, you know, the boat, and we're doing archery practice, and we're just chatting, and all of a sudden, I shoot an arrow, and it goes over the fence. So I run to the back, and I go to get my arrow, and there's my neighbor, you know, arrow in his head, and he's on the ground, right? I start to panic. I kill my neighbor. And, and he's laying there, and I don't know what to do. And so it goes before a judge, and they says, I, okay, I can see that it was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. So I'm going to give you, you can go to the city of refuge. But the thing is, you need to stay in that place. And so I could go to this town, and there's all these people that, you know, had bad luck. <laughs> We're all together, hanging out in this place. And, and as long as you stayed in the, re- the city of refuge, you were fine. But if, you made a cho- if I made a choice, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to go back to Trenton. I leave the city of refuge. And I leave, and, and my neighbor's brother sees me, you know, his wife or his kids. They all got their bow and arrows out. And they're like, there he is. And they can legally now take me out because I've left the place of refuge. And, and the Bible says that Jesus is our place of refuge. You know, all these, these sins we've done, the Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he's holy and perfect and we're sinful and everything. And he prepared a way and a place that we could run to him for refuge. And as long as we stay in Christ and we hold on to the rope of hope and we hold on to him as our refuge and we set that anchor in Christ, we can hold on through any storm, right? And, and, and so, so we're holding on to the, the, the rope of hope and, and we're set in Jesus. He's our refuge. He's taking care of us. He's taking care of our sins. And some people, let's, if you make a decision to leave Christ and go back and try to put your anchor in other things and go back into the world, you're open game for the enemy. He can take you out. But as long as you stay in Christ, you're assured eternal salvation and the presence of God. Isn't that good? You know, say Jesus is our city of refuge. And if I stay with Jesus, there's no consequences. And that's why if you leave, you know, people that we use the term backslide, they go away from the Lord and they do their own thing and they don't want anything to do with God for a season. And they start to struggle with thoughts of rejection and bitterness and condemnation and they I'm here to tell you today that there's still a rope of hope. Just pick it up and hold on because Jesus will keep you stable. You can always come back to the Lord. And so we have a refuge. Now, God commanded Moses, and we're going to move here quickly. God commanded Moses to build a tabernacle, uh, and he gave him a heavenly blueprint. He says, I want you to build a tabernacle, and it's going to look like the tabernacle in heaven. He said, make sure you follow it according to the blueprint. And in that tabernacle, it had an outer court, okay, in the front. It had a, 
holy place where the priests could come in and do all their ministry. And then there was a most holy place. I'm going to have Peter just pull that curtain across. And there was a curtain going into the Holy of Holies or the most holy place. Behind that curtain was the Ark of the Covenant uh, with the cherubim. There was a big golden wings. How many have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? You know what I'm talking about? And, and That's an old movie. And behind that curtain is the Ark and the presence of God is there. No one can enter the Holy of Holies except the high priest, and he could only enter once a year with the blood of the Lamb, and he would put the blood on the mercy seat, and it was for the atonement of his sins and the sins of all the people of Israel once a year. And he had to continually once a year go in and put his blood because the blood of the Lamb couldn't wash away sin. It would only cover the guilt of sin. Okay? And um, what happened, this happened year after year after year after year. Mankind could never go into the presence of God. There was always a veil. There was always a curtain separating us from the presence of God. I have good news for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he tore the veil from top to bottom so that mankind, men and women, could have access to the presence of God whenever they want. Now, not in this dimension, but in the other dimension, the spirit dimension, we have access to God's presence. We have access to go to God on our own. Amen. We don't need a high priest to go before and, and, and go for us. We have Jesus, right? And so Jesus went into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, not on earth, because that's only a type and shadow, but in heaven, and put his own blood on the mercy seat. All right? And he did it once and for all. For all your sins, past, present, and future. And then he sat at the right hand of the Father. Isn't that good? God made an oath that Jesus will be the high priest forever. And we're going to go to Matthew, uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 21. It says here, The Lord has taken an oath, and he will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. Isn't that good news? He went behind the veil as the high priest. And so when you're anchored to Jesus, we're going to take this anchor now, and I'm going to anchor it. <laughs> Pastor Peter will be my Jesus. Come on. There you go. Hold on to that. Awesome. So when we're anchored to Jesus, I got news for you. Okay? I know we learned in Bible Sunday school, not Bible school. Sunday school that Jesus lives in our heart. But that's bad theology because the Bible says he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He put his blood on the mercy seat, and he's seated on the right hand of the Father, making intercession on behalf of the saints. So he's up there talking to God about you and I, praying for us, strategizing with the Father. He's talking about us, and, and so he's not in our heart. Where he is, is behind the veil. So you go behind the veil, brother. And as Jesus is behind the veil in heaven, he's in the Holy of Holies, I'm latched on to the power of heaven and the presence of God. So not only when the storms, the storms hold, he's my refuge, I can hold on to him. I have access to what's happening in the heavenly realms because I'm attached. Amen? So you know, when I was a kid, we used to take two cans and we'd tie a string. And we'd go, one 
you know, my brother would go way over here and I'd go way over here. And we'd talk and we were like so amazed. Hey, we can hear each other because the vibration went through the cord. And I want to say when you're connected to Jesus, you can hear the Father. You know what's going on in the realms of heaven if you learn to listen in your spirit. And so we have a connection to the presence of God. Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. We can go into the curtain where God is in the realm of the Spirit. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So not only do you feed the drift, you don't just defeat it. You're connected behind the veil. You have a direct connection to the presence of God. And that means when you pray, you can come and have a connection with God. You can have times where, where you feel like everything's being shifted. Not only can you hold fast and steady, you can say, you know what? I'm going to go behind the veil. I'm going to pull myself into that presence. And you're going to go behind the veil, right? And you're going to spend time in the presence of God. And that happens through prayer and meditating on His Word. Amen? And God wants us to live in that. When you're holding on to the rope of hope, you can draw yourself into the presence of God whenever you need to. Amen? And that's why we understand that going down to verse 19, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed by the pure water. And so when we're anchored to Christ, we have a city of refuge. We have a refuge in him. When we're anchored to Christ, we have access to the presence of God so that when we're going through tough times, we can shine and we can stand and say, I have confidence in God. Amen? And, and when we're anchored to Christ, we have the authority of his name. So we have refuge, we have the presence of God, and we have his name. I love what the Passion Translation says in Matthew 12, 21. It says, and the fame of his name will birth hope among the people. Isn't that true? It's the name of Jesus that brings hope because he brings freedom. In 1 Corinthians 6, 11, you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're made holy by his name. And then we can do signs and wonders through his name. You know, Mark chapter 16, verse 17 to 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents and they will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I want you to say this with me. To be anchored with Christ, I have a place of refuge. I have access to his presence. And have access to his name. Like we have a winning game here, guys. But the thing is, we have to choose. And my encouragement to you today is wherever you are in life, like if you feel like, maybe you feel like you dropped the rope of hope, just pick it up. Latch on and watch what God will do. Amen? And actually in Hebrews in closing, 
chapter 10, verse 35 and 36, as Paul is finishing his thought here that I've kind of laid out before you. He says, so don't throw away this confidence. Trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then, say then, you will receive all that He has promised. Amen? Why don't we stand? I'll pray. I want to pray just a general prayer for us today. Father, we thank You, God. We're all at different places, and in the last couple years, we've, there's, been, there's been some turbulent waters for some of us, Lord. And, and I thank You, God, that in the midst of the turbulence and in the midst of the wind, in the midst of the storm, we can latch on to the hope that is only found in Jesus Christ. The things of this world that you've blessed us with, they're great. Our careers, our friendships, our relationships, all of that stuff is fine, but we have to trust in Jesus Christ as our foundation. So, Lord, help us. Speak to us this week. If there's any areas where we've let go of the rope, show us so we can pick it up again and put our faith in you. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to take a few minutes with every head bowed and every eye closed. And if you're online with us today and you would say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to say a prayer with me. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Right? Your sin's already been paid for, past, present, and future. But you appropriate that payment for your sin by having faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's how we have to do that. So if you want to make that decision today and be assured of your salvation and that God loves you, uh, you can pray that with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to take care of the sin issue. I confess my sins to you, and I ask that you would come and be the Lord of my life. I want to hold on to the rope of hope. And my hope is going to be nothing less in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.